Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Just before we start, where's the worship leader, the lady who led worship this morning? She's having morning tea. (laughs) All right, I have a word for her as well as for the lady over here. I just felt as we were worshiping that God wanted me to say to you, he sees the prayer of yours in the secret place. He sees the cry of your heart and he wants to assure you of his peace in all of that. Thank you, Jesus. I'll grab the worship leader later. So thank you so much for um, having me here today, Pastor Doug and uh, also Pastor Ross and um, you guys as a church. Uh, To me, having been a senior pastor, this is a privileged position. And you don't just get to demand it or stand there and speak. Um, It it has to be God and it has to be right. But today I I have a word to share with you. This evening I have a, a word for the graduation. I'll... It's, it's called Let's Pick a Fight, but you'll have to be here tonight to hear that one. But right now, I want to talk about, I want to share about a story of origins. In Genesis chapter 1, we read, In the beginning God created, and the earth was formless and empty, and God said. I want you to say, and God said. Oh, come on, with a bit more gusto than that. Remember, I I like running down here, so um, I'll come and stand next to you. All right, and God said. Because if we don't understand what happens when God says, well then, thanks for the tithe, thanks for the worship, coffee's in the back somewhere. We've got to understand the power of God's words. We've got to understand the meaning and the value. You see, the earth was at its origin was formless, it was void, it was virtual chaos, it was empty, and God said, and something happened. Creation, life, structure, form, a filling. I was born in Port Elizabeth in South Africa in 1967, so if you work that out, yep, I'm just about on the top of the hill. And the memories I have of my first five years of childhood are pretty cool. I don't have any memories. There were photos of my father was a mechanic, and so I had this little pedal car, those old metal pedal cars, anyone who can remember, and a a mobile overall and a plastic racing helmet, and would pedal around the house and help my dad dip things in petrol. We always, my mother never had Tupperware. Um, It was my father's bowls to soak engine parts in, 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 in petrol. The lounge was the second garage. But as I grew up, things at home changed. Marital tension increased. My father was declared bankrupt. We lost our family home, not once, twice. Things weren't as cool for that five-year-old boy who used to pedal around in a car. My dad drank heaps, like heaps. By the age of 10, I could pour a double double scotch whiskey with my eyes closed and get the double tot perfect. I had poured so many. 
I was never able to please my dad. All I wanted to hear him say was, well done, my son, or I love you. Those are the words that I had, had looked for all my childhood, but I never seemed to please him because I was uncoed sport and taking engines apart. Well, that wasn't my forte. I was teased a lot. This is funny. You can laugh at me now. I'm, I'm, I've dealt with it. But at the age of 14, I remember my, I have a younger brother, and my brother liked engines, and he liked getting his hands dirty, and he, he was coordinated. But at the age of 14, I remember my father saying to me, do you want to come and help change the oil on my mum's V-dub? And I went, yes, dad's finally invited me into this, this sanctum that he's reserved for people like him. And so... Invited in, I went. My dad said, now lie under the car. And I laid under the car. And he says, there's this little velvy thing here. Those who know, know where this is going. And he said, just screw it loose. And it releases the pressure so the oil can come out. What my dad didn't tell me is that as you release that, the oil literally hits you on the chest. And when you're under a car and something hits you on the chest, what's your first response? to come up and you bang your head on the body underneath the car. The humiliation, it's a joke, we can laugh about it now, but that moment of humiliation was crazy. At 16, things in the home had escalated and I overheard my parents arguing one night and my father yelling at my mother and saying to my mother, if you hadn't fallen pregnant, I would never have married you. And for the first time at 16, I worked out that I was that child. I was the one that had caused all this mayhem in the family because if I had not been born, then none of this would have transpired. I suddenly realized why my father's mother never loved, never loved, liked, or even got along with my mother. It all made sense. I also believed that I was this mistake unwanted, and I felt that I did not belong. In the process of all that was going on, mom decided to leave dad for another man. And I remember going to church one Sunday morning and in the courtyard of the church, an older lady coming up to me and sticking her finger under my nose and saying to me, I'm just checking, the kids are in the house, your mother is a whore and I was the son of a whore. In that moment, 16 years of stuff sent me on a self-destructive path of doing some really dumb things. And the search for a real and loving father who would accept me as I am. A father where I could belong. A father where my living would have valuable meaning. Pause. I'm going to jump a bit now because we don't have time tonight to fully run through 
But I paused to reflect on a moment when I was married with two young kids and a father-in-law who had become my surrogate dad. He was a spiritual believer and he had shown me unconditional love, love of a father because he knew my story. He invited me into his family as his own and he saw the value and the purpose of my life. He invited me to church and I, I went along. And he gave me a book. Uh, I got saved in 1999. He gave me a book as a young Christian, The Father Heart of God by Floyd McClung. An old book. But he gave me this book to read. And I remember sitting there, this graphic, on the toilet, reading. And I, my legs eventually left my body. There was no feeling. I could not put this book down. Because it's as if God the Father, the Father I had always wanted, the Father that I had always wanted to be a part of a family and have value, was sitting there in my bathroom, in the toilet, talking to my heart and saying to me, I am your Father. Press pause. We'll come back to my story at the end. You see, God wants to be father to those that have fathers but also to those that are fatherless God is a loving father and he's looking for people after his own heart when you read in 1 chapter 1 Samuel chapter 13 verse 14 God says to Samuel that he is looking for a man after his own heart God was looking for someone. Luke in the book of Acts reflects the same thing as, as it been concluded, saying that King David was a man after the heart of God. So God is out there looking. Yet, if you look at David's life, we read in 1 Samuel chapter 16 of this young boy who's out in the fields and the prophet comes along and he, he says to David's father, hey, I've come to anoint a king. I've come to bless someone. I've come to validate someone. I've come to put purpose and meaning and value in someone's life. Bring me your boys. And so David's father parades them up one by one. And every time the prophet looks at them going, yep, you look like the stature of the man. Yep, you sounds like you've got what it takes. Yep, you've got everything. And no, I don't have the green light from God. And no, I don't have the green light from God. And no, I don't have the green light from God. Eventually the prophet says, do you have any other sons? Oh, oh yeah, we got the, the one that's out there in the field. He's a kind of bit weird. He's a bit stranger than his brothers. He's just in the field playing with the sheep. And Samuel says, could you bring him, please? And when he comes, Samuel anoints him. And then life continues. I often relate to David as being the one that's just a little bit weird, the one that's just out there in the field, the one that's just like the one that dad never wanted to drag out in the front of the crowd you read the next chapter of David's life and you, you're in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and David's dad says to him oi here's some food take it out to the boys take it out to your brothers they're out there fighting they're out there doing what men do but yeah shepherd boy off you go just take the food 
and then just tell them I love them, check how they're going and bring me news back. And so off David goes. And the moment he gets there, it's recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 17. His brother starts to ask him all these weird questions. You see, they're facing this giant by the name of Goliath and these Philistines. And all the army and Saul are all terrified about this man. And he's out there yelling abuse at the Israelites and talking or rubbishing their guard. And David comes in with just doing what dad said he must do. And they start to ask him questions. They question his motive. What are you doing here? You don't belong here. Go back and play with your little sheep. They second guess him. They buttonhole him. They ridicule him. And they scoff him. We know what happens next. David goes on to defeat Goliath without Saul's armor, without an army but with God's help. David understood what it was like to be there when everyone was here. David understood what it was like to be ridiculed, scoffed at, forgotten, pushed aside, rejected, not having any value, he, un- he got it and he understood something. You get an insight into this in Psalm 139 where David reflects on his life and I'll quote it, verse 13. For you, God, created my inmost beings. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days of my life were ordained for me, were written in your book before one of them came in to being. What a beautiful place David finds himself in, saying, hey, my value, my belonging, my purpose, everything, even my family, is all in God. Unpause. Over the years from 16 all the way through till about 42, as recent as eight years ago, God took me on a journey from my origin, rejected, unwanted, the unplanned baby, the one dad never wanted around, into the origin of God. God had to take me back to the beginning that I could understand that out of something that was formless and empty when he said, let there be, there was. And so God had to take me on this journey. The first thing that God said to me is, guess what? Was I was wanting my dad. 
I thought, I'm, I'm going to forgive my dad. And God said, no. You're going to ask your father's forgiveness because you judged him as a father without knowing his story. So my journey to the origin of all origins was learning how to humble myself and forgive my father. Ask my father for his forgiveness and then learn how to be a father to my son and to my daughter. As I was growing up, I said to my wife, uh, I was in the police in South Africa, if ever I become like my father, take my, take my pistol, take me to the backyard and shoot me because I never want to be that man. But I can tell you, I became that man. And God gave me this wake-up call that saw me go all the way back to the origin, the beginning of all things, to know that when God says... He means it. When God says, he creates. And God had created a new life for me. Right from the beginning. And even though it all lost its way, I was able to go back to the origin and acknowledge. So I got saved in 1999. I went to Bible college. I became part of a local church, part of a church team, a worship leader, and just started to get involved. And God kept taking me back to this point of origin that when he said, because I would travel along and then I'd hit a hole or hit a wall or hit a hurdle or hit a barrier, and I'd have to go back because God said and out of something unshaped and unformed and empty God was able to fill and create so if he could do that for everything that we gain our existence from surely he could do that for me surely he can do that for you has done it for me has done it for you I can share today that my dad and I are fully reconciled. I, I have forgiven him totally. He has forgiven me. I actually got to hear his story as a child growing up, which allowed me to see him through different eyes. And to be able to see God start to bring healing as God took my father back to the origin of all things that he could be put together again. It was about five years, six, uh, seven, probably about, uh, yeah, eight years ago, just round about when I was totally reconciled to my father, about eight, seven years ago, we were driving in the car one day and my dad said to me, Dwayne, I'd love to share something with you. I have a word for you. I have a scripture I want to share. And he said these words, if I may, I know I've missed it, but if I may, I'd like to give you, as your father, a blessing. I just melted in the car. I was driving. I couldn't see where I was going. I just started to blubber. I had waited about 42, 43 years to hear those words. And he gave me a scripture as a father 
and he blessed me and I let him formless and empty and God said formless and empty and God said and it was total total reconciliation total healing and I finally got it yeah I was a pastor I was a senior pastor but still processing some of this stuff at a very deep level and finally I got what Psalm 139 was all about that God wanted me he knew he formed he created he destined and I was able to fully step out into all that it is. I got it. He formed me. I'm his. I have value. And I have purpose. You might be here today. And I know it sounds like I'm about to wrap. I'm not. There's another piece coming. You might be here today and you can identify with David's story, my story, parts of it, words in it, where words have been spoken over your life. Things have been done. Humiliation. Second guessed. Motive questioned. Stuff. Maybe you feel like you're a mistake, an accident. Maybe you feel like, what's my value or what's my purpose or what's this thing called God's family? It's fairly dysfunctional at some times. I'm here to tell you that God said... And when God said, he actually gave promises with what he said. Paul articulates it so beautifully. Uh, and I'm just going to go, in about five minutes, what I have left, just to throw this out at you. I have preached this as a series, one point each week. This is how beautiful these things are. But in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places. In verse 18, he also says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know. Paul says to the church in Ephesus, do you get it? That out of nothing, out of bad, out of emptiness, God said in the beginning. In Genesis 3, God says he's going to reconcile it. In, 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 the, in the completed work of the cross, God has proven true. Not that he needs to be proven true, but he says, what I said, I did. So we can see creation. We can see the completed work of the cross. Paul says, hey, that you would know something about God. That you would know what he says is true. And this is just Ephesians 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 4 to 13. I'm just going to touch on each one in the last few moments. The 
the first thing God says is, hey, I chose you. It says so. We're chosen. I don't know about you, but do you know, have you ever been on a team? Well, remember, unco, sporty, unco, yep, cool. I can play music and instrument, but don't, don't give me a ball. And we play, and everybody stands in the front, and they pick the two buffets, I mean the two um, Buffy guys, to actually start and choose the teams. And then they'll start. I pick him. Yeah, I'll pick him. I pick him. I'll pick him. Yeah, I'll pick her. I'll pick her. It's like, they're picking girls over me. And you're still standing there. And you're the last one. I said, all right, well, uh, they kind of look at each other and say, well, we've got the two dweebs left. You take him, I'll take him. Two nerds. God says, no, 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 it's none of that. I chose you and I chose you first. I chose you, it actually says, before the foundation of the earth. Before you were even conceived in your father and mother's mind, whether intentionally or by mistake, God said, I pick you. He picked me. He chose us. It then says that he predestined us to adoption. He says, look, I just didn't pick you to be a part of my team. I adopted you into my family. If you understand something about adoption at the time, Paul writes this. If, let's say, Pastor Chris was my eldest son and I suddenly adopt the young man over here. How old are you? 11. And I suddenly adopt you as my son. Uh, you become my son. And that's cool. Uh, he's still the bigger brother. Sorry. He still gets all the inheritance. Sorry. And you will have to serve him for the rest of your life. Sorry. Um, but let's say I suddenly pick you. How old are you? 33. He's 25. Guess what? Sorry. You will serve him for the rest of his life. He gets all the inheritance. That's how adoption worked. It meant something significant. It says, even if you're not by blood and I adopt you, you take the position in my family as if you were blood. And Paul says, hey, guess what? He didn't just pick you. He adopted you into his family. Verse 6 and he made us accepted. We've all got people in the family that when we come together for family occasions, we kind of go, is Oni, is Oni Mavis going to be there again? Is Uncle Ernie going to be there again? We better put plastic on the seats. <laughs> oh, is she bringing her kids again? Man, put all the fine china on the top shelf and remove anything that the kids can climb up as man, they're feral. You see, when God said, out of formless and empty, I'm going to do something. When God said, I'm going to reconcile humanity to me. When God proved it when his son died on the cross for you and me and arose again and prepared a place for us. God said, come as you are. Do you know that as a church, oh, I'm going to preach now for a second. Um, uh, as a church, we sing, come as you are. Until someone walks in here who doesn't smell like us, look like us, or Behave like us. Well, come as you are, but just stay outside till you become like us. Sorry, not your church. You're cool. Maybe just mine. God says, hey, I accept you as you are. God accepted me for who I was. This unco kid who couldn't work on engines, 
God accepted me. Verse 7, and redeemed us through his blood. Wow, he now just takes being my daddy to another level. Who's ever had debt or issues and then dad came along and paid it out? Who's ever been there? Some people? Yeah, thank you for being honest. And dad comes along and says, my son bought a car when he was 17. And for his 18th birthday, I kind of did a bit of Google and I wanted to do something different. And he was paying us back and he probably had about $2,000 he owed us because he bought this V-dub type car. And uh, I Googled and it was actually, it happened to be the Jewish year of Jubilee. And I, when I read it, I went, oh my goodness. I went looking for something special. Now I knew what this was going to cost me. And I said to my wife, Cheryl, I said to um, Gorgeous, you know, we wanted to do something special for Jason, and I was looking around and trying to find something to do. Well, it is the Jewish year of Jubilee, and I think the best thing we could do is make this child debt-free and pay his car off for him, write off his debt. So I wrote him a letter, and on his birthday, he opened, he like, was expecting, my son likes gifts, his love language is gifts. And he was expecting boxes and boxes, and he just got this letter. And I could see the disappointment on his face, or maybe an excitement that there was something greater in the letter, and, and as it turned out, there was. We set him free of his debt. He owed us nothing. He went into adulthood owning a car. He was debt free. You see, when God says, I'm going to form you and I'm going to fill you because I've got a plan for you, He pays out the debt. You owe no one anything. Verse, chapter, verse 9 to 10, it says he makes known to us the mystery of his will. You see, because God said, and because I'm free and all of these things, he only hasn't only chosen me. He hasn't only adopted me. He hasn't only um, accepted me. He hasn't only paid out everything for me. But he now says, hey, guess what? I'm going to redeem you totally. And now I'm going to let you into the family secrets. I'm going to unfold for you the mystery of my will. And so God makes himself and his will plain to his children. What's a mystery and confuses other people, he makes plain. He says, you're part of the family. You know, however you go somewhere and you say to the kids while you're driving, now you don't tell grandmom what happened in the house yesterday. And you don't tell this, this is home stuff. God says, hey, you're part of my family. I'm going to tell you the home stuff. I'm going to include you in. Number six, we get an inheritance. Now, like my son, I like gifts too. And God says, hey, I care that much about you. I have an inheritance for you. Something special just for you. Is the keyboard player in the house? Thank you. See, you and I have an inheritance. And yes, it's an inheritance there, then, but it's also an inheritance here now because I get to live free now. 
God provides here already. God gives me his peace. Now, I'm already living in part of that. And then there's this inheritance that awaits me. And the last one. And he seals me with his Holy Spirit. I kind of like, I have a lot of colonial blood in me, British blood in me. And uh, I love researching heraldry and stuff like that. And I think it's pretty cool. Uh, on the days when I was trying to find my value in other things, I thought it'd be so cool to have a ring with my name on it. And you write a letter and pour some wax and you seal it. It's like it's a... I have value. I've made it. I have one of those rings. Now, if you've got one of those rings, that's cool. You don't need healing. It's all good. It was just me. But it gives it like an authoritative stamp. In the old days, if I was going away, I would say to a young, to, let's say young Christian, your pastor here, and I'd say to him, here, I'm going to be gone. Here's the ring of authority. Transact in my absence as if you were me. That ring was that powerful that even if he used it, it still carried my name and my authority. God says, hey, that thing that was formless, that was empty, that was void, that was rejected, See, all these things I've said. It has my authority. I'm going to come down here and get a little closer. I don't know your story. I wish I had the time to listen to every single person's story. How young you are, how old you are, how new you are as a believer, how long you've been a believer. And you know what? As much as I want to know, because I am a bit of a sticky beak too. God says it doesn't matter. I don't need to know. Because He does. He knows. He knows it all. I started out by saying, we need to understand, He said and out of something formless and empty, he created what we know as the world today. The devil came along and tried to upset it all. And he said, I will restore it. And he did. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he won't. David even says, I can run and hide, but I can't get away from you, God. Paul writes to a church to remind them that God said, you're picked by God. You're accepted 
you're free, you're paid for, you're allowed into the family. His mystery made plain, an inheritance. And just in case you or the devil or me on days get a little shaky, he goes, just in case you need something to prove it, I give you my Holy Spirit as a seal that says there will be a witness within you that says everything God said is true. In a moment, I want to open up over here for people that I'd love to, I love praying. You might be here this morning and go, you know what, Dwayne, you talk about and God said and God restored and Jesus actually completed it and look what happened in your life and you used that word getting saved. Well, hey, Dwayne, I don't even have a relationship with God or I had one of those weird ones where you, I, I knew about God, but he wasn't actually real to me and the promises that were always true and have always been true from the beginning, I never got them until like that day you got it. I, I just got it this morning. I just realized in here for the first time that what has always been true since the foundation of the earth that God loves me that his son died for me and that he made a plan he has a plan for my life and a purpose for my life and a path forward that that's all been true all along but I just got it now for the first time if that's you then I'd love you sorry just to make it simple for me and the team that are going to pray from this line that way when I say come forward someone, me, whoever it might be it doesn't matter whether it's me we all have the same God, the same Holy Spirit and the same conviction that we know that my Father in Heaven can and does and will I'd love you to come and stand here so we can pray with you for that first time and acknowledge what's been true is true for you here today from here, probably about here on, so there's a gap. If stuff's been spoken over your life, motives questioned, ridiculed, feel like you don't belong, feel like you're not part of a family, feel unaccepted, unloved, rejected, then then I'd love you to come and stand here that we can pray with you, that we can agree by faith that you will understand the Father heart of God. And then as God said that it would be true in your heart here now and that you would find freedom, that you would find release, that you would find blessing. I know what it's like to walk with the burden. And I know what it is to walk free. Could I encourage you? Let it go today. Let it go. Now I do this wherever I preach and I I take the liberty. People are scared to come out the front here. You know why? 
because they're worried about what you're going to think about them. People are scared to be honest and transparent with God in this loving family. And this, by the way, is a cool church. When you walk in and you watch worship, you can feel the heart of the church in your heart. It resonates. We just said to each other, this is a cool church. If we lived in Harvey Bay, this is where we'd come. And I don't say that in all churches, by the way. I'm far too straight. Shooter for that. But people don't want to come forward because they're scared of what you're going to think and say. If you start to think and say, Sister so-and-so has gone forward. I wonder what that's about. Oh, the pastor's son's gone forward. Anyone driven past his house lately? We're laughing, but you know I'm serious. This has to be safe. This has to be family. And this has to be inclusive. A church is not a bunker for believers. It's a hospital for hurting. So we're going to let people come up here. And I'm going to try and pray for some. And I'm going to encourage if there's other prayer team to come because it depends on how big it is. But says, I don't care if everybody comes and stands here. I'll try and reach my hand out and we'll just touch and I'll pray a global prayer or a personal prayer. And I know that there's a service after this and I know that I've got about five minutes, including the altar call, to finish. God just needs a moment. He doesn't need five minutes. So if that's you, I'm going to encourage you to come out now, please. Everyone standing. Everyone standing. Please, don't stand back there. Come out. This is not about this is not a time to, to deal with pride. This is a time to come out. Come out, come out, come out. If you're back there and you're saying, hey, I've got this nagging thought in the back of my head, I need to let it go. I need to start to understand. I need to get a revelation that I am God's child, that He has a plan and a purpose for me, that there is a function in my life, that there is a direction, that I'm not unwanted, that I'm not unrejected. Your husband might have rejected you, lady, but God hasn't. Dear child, your parents might have rejected you, but God hasn't child your parents might have abandoned you but God hasn't a man your wife might have abandoned you but guess what God hasn't because he's there and he's faithful and he's true if you're out there seriously you need to come out the front and say God I want you to do something God don't just transact with me but transform me Lord Jesus transform me I'm going to pray a global prayer that I'm going to hand back to you and then I'll hand the mic back to Pete, Pastor Pete and then I'm going to just come and pray and the team are going to pray and we're just going to start as these guys worship. Father, right now you see every single person standing here and corporately, Father, from this end to that end, we want to believe God and because you said in the beginning and God, your word is true, you said that out of something formless and out of something empty, you said and the creation took place, a creation we get to experience every day of our 
our life. Father, I pray right now that out of formlessness, out of emptiness, out of brokenness, out of whatever it might be, God, that at your word you will produce, you will create, you will heal, you will strengthen, you will set free. Father, you will build, you will create again and again and again. It's the story of origins, God, a story of your origin, a story of our origin and how they intersect and you become our origin. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.